I bring you greetings from the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness of this world and life. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make every bread path straight. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. In our broadcast tonight, we shall be looking at the influence of the Holy Spirit on the believer, still continuing with the medium of baptism with the Holy Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit himself. And then, if time permits, by the grace of God, we'll look at the individual to be thus baptized with the Holy Ghost. But first, let's do a quick review of what we discussed in our last broadcast. We began to look at the medium of baptism with the Holy Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit himself. We looked at how the Lord Jesus Christ introduced him to us. We were told that he is a person, not just some concept or some force. In fact, the third person of the Godhead. He's holy. That's why he's called the Holy Spirit. There is no evil with him. He's gentle. He's meek. There's no pride. There's no arrogance. There's no boasting with him. The Lord Jesus Christ introduced him to his disciples and to us as a paraclete. One who is close to us. So he said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you naked. I'm not going to leave you exposed. I'm going to send another helper or paraclete or advocate. The things that he would do include reminding us of things that the Lord had told us, teaching us all things, testifying about the truth that is in the Lord Jesus Christ, glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. He will enable us to do the work of God. He will appoint and assign us with tasks that we should do, which will be in conformity with the will of God. He will lead and direct us in the way we should go. And then we looked at the character of the Holy Spirit. Talked about it being holy. Talked about gentleness and meekness. We talked about him bringing order where there is chaos. We talked about him bringing light where there is darkness. And bringing a fullness where there is emptiness or a void, as was the case at creation. And then we noted that it would be inconceivable for someone to say that he is filled with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit has an influence on him and then we do not see the character or the nature of the Holy Spirit manifesting in that person. Indeed, when we talk of the nature or the character of the Holy Spirit, we are speaking of the fruit of the Holy Spirit and that is what is worked in within us. So when we talk of the baptism with the Holy Spirit, we are speaking of the Spirit of God acting upon us to influence us. We are going to move to what we really want to discuss. That is the influence of the Holy Spirit. And in looking at this subject, the influence of the Holy Spirit, there are two aspects that we are going to be looking at. The Holy Spirit influences or acts upon the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ in two ways. He acts upon and he acts within or he influences us from outside and influences us from within. The influence upon us makes us or enables us to perform, to do the work of God. The action or the influence of the Holy Spirit within makes us to become, to become like Christ to manifest the character and the nature of Christ. You recall we had said that the Holy Spirit is known by various names, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. So we see him acting upon us, influencing us from within to transform us so that we can manifest the nature, the character of Christ. The influence of the Holy Spirit upon, that is from outside of us, is what is Holy Spirit baptism. And the influence or the action of the Holy Spirit within the believer is what we call sanctification. These two are important. But let's read the scriptures for a moment. John chapter 
14. I'll read verse 16 and 17. 17 is actually what we want to look at. And I will pray the Father. This is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. And I will pray the Father. And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. The world is uninterested in the Holy Spirit. They don't care about him and they don't see him. They don't know him. And then it says, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. At the time the Lord was making the statement, the Holy Spirit had not yet come. If he was making this statement today, he will say he dwells with you and is in you. So we see the Lord making an allusion to the two influences of the Spirit of God upon the believer. One upon being with you and one from within will be in you. So the same spirit that dwells with us is the same spirit that dwells within us. It is very, very significant for us to understand this. And I give an illustration. A man swims in water. That same man would drink water. So there is the action of swimming and the action of drinking the water within him. In swimming, the water surrounds him. The water is around him. But in drinking, the water is inside of him. The water is within him. So we notice that, for example, in swimming, there is an action that the water exerts on the swimmer, around the swimmer. It influences him depending on how he pushes himself to gain speed in swimming, especially for those who swim in competitions or some other form that the water would influence. And then when it comes to drinking the water, he uses the water to quench his thirst. For people who swim, sometimes it is just to bathe, especially in most of our rural areas in Africa. It is to bathe. And in drinking it, it does a work of refreshing, quenching thirst, and so on and so forth. So in the same way, Whilst it is the same Holy Spirit acting upon and within, the influence is different in both cases. In one, it is the action of making the person that he comes upon to do what God wants him to do. In being within, he makes the person that he's come into to have the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have two ways by which the Holy Spirit influences the believer. The action upon Holy Spirit baptism, the action within sanctification. Now, we are trying to make this decision because we don't want us to be confused. Many people have confused sanctification to mean the same thing as Holy Spirit baptism and vice versa. But they are not. They are two different things. But nonetheless, they work together. They work in unison. They are not in competition with one another. Whilst Holy Spirit baptism or the Holy Spirit influencing from outside upon us, empowers us to serve God. The Holy Spirit within sanctification enables us, empowers us to become like Christ. So what happens when he comes into us, he changes our nature. He removes the old nature of hard-heartedness, the old nature of sinful living, everything that has to do with the flesh and puts in his spirit, his own life inside of us, changing us and transforming us into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whilst when he comes upon us, he energizes us to do the will of God. When he is within us, he makes us willing to do the will of God. Now, I need to explain this. The Holy Spirit is gentle and is meek. He does not force anybody. So, if he is going to influence you from above, that is, 
come upon you with outside. He is not going to compel you to do anything. He is expecting you to cooperate with him. So to bring about that area of cooperation, he acts within us to make us willing to obey God. So that when he's acting upon us, we are willingly doing it. I think it's in Psalm 110 verse 3 that the Bible says, in the day of his power, and remember we said the Holy Spirit is the power of God, it said in the day of his power, his people shall be willing, his people shall be willing volunteers. The Lord warned. He said, do not be like the horse that they have to set bits in its mouth and drag, otherwise it will not yield. God wants us to be yielded to him. So when the Holy Spirit comes within us, he makes us to be willing to do the will of God. And then when he now comes upon us with joy and gladness and willingly, yieldedly, we do the will of God. So no believer is compelled to do the will of God. No, you willingly do it. You are open to it. That is why it is possible to have people claiming to have the Spirit of God walk contrary to Him because they have refused to continue. That is why sanctification is a continuous process. It is instantaneous at the beginning, but it nonetheless is a continuous process. So you must not only be sanctified, you must continually be sanctified. The moment the continuation of sanctification ceases, we develop that hardened heart. So it's like putting a cup of coffee under a tap. You have to keep the tap running until it changes the coffee. It is a continuous process. Until we go to be with the Lord, we must be continually sanctified. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, one of the things that he does is he enables us to do miracle signs and wonders. To perform these things, not for entertainment's sake but to perform it with a view to doing the will, the counsel of God. A number of the things that God wants the believer to do are actually miracles, signs and wonders, but we must be within the influence of the Holy Spirit to do these things. When he comes within us, he transforms us into conformity with Christ. So in the same way as Christ yielded himself to be used of the Father, so must we yield ourselves to be used of God through the Holy Spirit. That is the influence of the Holy Spirit acting within us. When he comes upon us, the Holy Spirit will come upon us after salvation and while we are being sanctified. He will not come upon you before you are born again. He comes upon you after you are born again and whilst you are being sanctified. Let me read Acts chapter 2 verse 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they, the disciples, were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Lord Jesus Christ had told the disciples to tarry in Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high. Now, they were to be there. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1 how they prepared daily in prayers, in Bible study, and so on and so forth, in one place. And on the day of Pentecost, they didn't know what was going to happen. But on that day, they were all gathered together, as would probably have happened usually. And then the Spirit of God came upon them, and they began to speak with tongues. By the grace of God, in our next broadcast, we shall look more at the issue of tongues, which scripturally is the physical evidence of the Holy Spirit being upon a person. When the Holy Spirit is going to come within you, 
it happens at the time of salvation. What this means is that if the Holy Spirit is not within you, you are not saved. John chapter 20, verse 22. This was after the Lord Jesus Christ had resurrected. He went to his disciples, he spoke to them, and the Bible says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. This action here that the Lord implemented is significant of the salvation of the disciples. Nobody could be saved until Jesus Christ had gone to the cross and resurrected. So once the disciples were with him on the earth, they were not saved. They were not born again. Their hearts were being influenced, yes, but they still manifested the fleshly nature. You had Peter at one time berating the Lord. You had John and James asking that thunders would come upon some people. You had Judas Iscariot being able to betray. You had Peter denying. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come with That's why he said, he will dwell with you and will be in you. John 20, 22. It was when the Holy Spirit came into them. The Bible speaks about how the Lord opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. If he had been in them, he would have given them that understanding. So it was at this stage when he had arisen and he had breathed on them that he could tell them some things, open their understanding that they might understand what he is saying. If the Holy Spirit is not in you, you cannot understand the scriptures. So it is important that we recognize the action of the Holy Spirit within and upon. When it comes within us, it happens at salvation. And the idea is to remove the flesh and everything that is contrary to God within us. And then he comes upon us. So suffice to say that the Holy Spirit will not come upon you except you are first saved and you are being sanctified. It's important to understand that. So generally speaking, the Holy Spirit will not come upon a person who is not born again, who is not being sanctified. In Acts chapter 10, we'll see a situation where there was a simultaneous action taking place. Verse 44 to 47. This was when Peter went to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile. And Cornelius had gathered his friends, other, other Gentiles together. And Peter went and began to preach to them. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, that is the Jews who had been born again, who were with Peter, who believed, were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that this should be baptized? Who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? What was happening here? As Peter was speaking, they believed. When we ask people to receive Christ, all we are doing is just to encourage those who believe to receive Christ. Salvation can take place in your bedroom. It can take place anywhere that the word of God is being preached. All that is required of you is to believe the message that is coming forth concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. That Christ came in the flesh, died for our sins, was raised up for our justification. Once you believe that, you are born again. By that action, the Spirit of God comes within you instantly and begins to do the work of renovation. For some people, it might take longer, depending on the stubbornness that they're exhibiting. For some other people, it's quick. So in the case of Cornelius and his people, they believed. The problem that Cornelius had was this issue of believing Jesus Christ. So when Peter came and spoke to him, he believed. It means that the Spirit of God has come into them already. In Acts chapter 19, 
verse 1 to 6, we see another interesting portion. I think we read this before. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Because they were supposed to. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Why? They now believed in Christ. Before they were believing the doctrine, the teachings of John, but they had not believed on him, that is, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 6, And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So we see an action where the individual is, first of all, born again. He's first of all brought to faith in Christ before the action of the Holy Spirit upon. That action of him coming to faith in Christ, it's pari pasu with the Spirit of God coming. The Bible says that we are born again of the Spirit of God or by the Spirit of God. The genes, the nature of God by his Spirit comes into us as salvation. It is that nature of God in us that elicits the coming upon of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 8 from verse 5, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man, not this man now, called Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Please note this. This man was a sorcerer. He became born again. He was baptized. Bible says he believed and he continued. He didn't go home. He continued with Philip. He was astonished at the miracles. He was wondering, how is this guy able to do these things? Verse 14. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You can't buy it. The Holy Spirit is given. The Lord Jesus Christ is the baptizer with the Holy Ghost. It's not a man. It's not a pastor. Even though they laid hands, and we are going to see this when we discuss the doctrine of laying on hands. Even though by laying on hands, the people received it. Something was happening to this fellow here called Simon. He wasn't receiving it. Others were receiving it without money. We see something similar today. People are preaching a strange doctrine, a strange gospel that is monetized. Everything is surrounding money. If you want this from God, give an offering. If you want this from God, pay your tithe. Everything is monetized. That's not how God operates. The scripture does not teach that. Let's continue now. In verse 21, Peter continues, says, You have neither part 
nor portion in this matter. For your heart is not right in the sight of God. So even though he claimed to be born again, even though he believed the work of sanctification that those should have done, he possibly did not allow it. So he retained his old nature. Yet he wanted the spirit of God to come upon him. It's not possible. It couldn't happen. He says, your heart is not right in the sight of God. Maybe in the sight of men, they thought he was doing okay. They said, this man used to be a sorcerer. Look at that, he's following us. He's not in our church. But in the sight of God, nothing had really happened to him. So we must understand this. It is God who knows what is happening in the life of every individual. He knows those who are deceiving and then those who are sincere. In verse 22, Peter continues, Repent therefore of this your wickedness and pray God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. He was engulfed. In the works of the flesh, in the activities of the flesh, the sorcery in him was still there. He wasn't going to let it go. For him, Christianity was just another thing to add. Verse 24, then Simon answered and said, pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. So it is important that we understand these things. That it is not just to say, I go to church. The evidence is the fact that the Spirit of God is within you and then it comes upon you. That you are right. In the sight of God from within your heart. This brings us to the discussion on the individual to be baptized. For an individual to be baptized, the spirit of God must not only be with him, but also must be within him. If he's not within him, he cannot be baptized. Because he is not even a part of him. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 verse 9. Let me read from verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Now, he's speaking about people who say they are born again. Because in verse 1, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. It is expected that if you say that you are in Christ Jesus, you are walking according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. But if you are walking according to the flesh, then there is a problem. The condemnation, the judgment of God is still hanging on that person. That person is not saved because salvation is about being saved from that condemnation and from the judgment that is to come. So in verse 5, it tells us this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So the issue is, where is your mind set? Is it set on the flesh or on the spirit? Many people who preach the gospel, who claim to preach the gospel, and many people who say they are Christians, their mind is set on the things of the flesh, on earthly things, not on spiritual things, not on heavenly things. In verse 6 says, For to be carnally minded, that is to be earthly minded, is death or leads to death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. It gives you eternal life and peace with God. You are not frightened of God. You revere God. But you're not afraid. You know you have peace with him. Verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. He's hostile to God. Even though he's born again, he's hostile. That's why Peter said to Simon the Sorcerer, Your heart is not right in the sight of God. You are hostile to God. Because you cannot be thinking of monetizing the spirit of God. Of monetizing the gift of the spirit. You cannot. There is a work of Satan in this generation. And it is nibbling at the very fabric of Christianity in the lives of the individuals, including ministers of the gospel. Our need for money is consuming us and turning us into what we should not be turned into. So it says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. 
That's the finality. There's no assumptions there. You cannot please God if you are in the flesh. In verse 9, it says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed, there's a qualification there. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. If indeed he dwells within you, you will not be of the flesh, you'll be of the spirit. Why? He would have removed that fleshly nature. So if you are still in the flesh, we must question whether he is in you. And if he's not in you, the spirit of God cannot come upon you. Let's continue to read. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. He doesn't belong to Christ. I think it's the living Bible that says, if the spirit of Christ is not in you, you are not a Christian. You cannot lay claim to being Christ's. Just because you see so. No, the Spirit of God must be in you, changing that nature. So it is crucial that we understand this because this is the very basis on which the Spirit of God comes upon. So the individual to be baptized must first of all be born again. That's basic. As many as received him, as many as welcomed him, as many as accepted him, as many as believed on his name, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. The work of the Spirit of God within you is to make you to become. So to get the power to become means that you believed. And so the Spirit of God went in there and was changing you to become. In John chapter 3, the Lord Jesus Christ he said to Nicodemus, Very, very, I say unto you, except you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Indeed, if you are not born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That is That which is born of man and woman is flesh. In John 1, 13, it says, you are not born of blood, of the will of man, of the will of the flesh, but of God. So when it says that which is flesh is flesh, that which is born of man, a man and a woman is flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So when you are born again of the spirit of God, you are spiritual. You are now of the spirit of God and you now belong to Christ. It is in belonging to Christ that you qualify for the Holy Spirit baptism to come upon you. So number one, you must be born again. And I'm not talking of something that you went to church and you stood in front of the altar. No, you will know when you're born again. It's very easy to know. Number one, you are going to begin to hate sin. You cannot be born again and be looking for a bar to go to. You cannot. It is such a radical change that you will know and people around you will know that something has happened to you. You will change. It's a radical change. It's not like, oh, it will happen over time. No, instantly you will know that you are born again. The things that troubled you will vanish. It's not by going for a miracle meeting. No, or deliverance. You are delivered there and then. Simon the sorcerer thought he could hide it. Like many people think they can hide. They go to church and at home there are something else. They smoke, they drink, they are marrying wives and having girlfriends, cheating and stealing and lying, but they are in church. Some of them are even ordained pastors and deacons and other bishops. And people think these are great men of God like Simon the Sorcerer. They thought of him that way. However, the Spirit of God was not upon them. I know the question is going to be asked, but they speak in tongues. Let me tell you something. I've seen a place where somebody was supposedly speaking in tongues. And basically what he was doing was reciting incantations. I know of churches where they teach you how to speak in tongues. It's the Holy Spirit that gives you utterance. Nobody can teach you tongues. In Acts chapter 2, when the other Jews from different parts of the world came, they heard them, Galileans, speaking their native language. The Galileans did not know they were speaking people's native languages. They thought they were speaking in tongues. As far as they were concerned, they were just speaking in other tongues. Yet, the people to whom those tongues, those languages belonged, understood what they were saying. Then they began to glorify the name of God. It must be born again. Secondly, the person to be baptized must have a desire, a hunger for the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 5, they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. In Luke chapter 11, from verse 9, the Lord Jesus Christ teaching on prayer made these comments. From verse 9 to verse 13, Luke 11. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. 
The Amplified says, ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or everyone who asks and keeps on asking will receive. Everyone who seeks and keeps on seeking will find. Everyone who knocks and keeps on knocking, it will be opened unto him. Verse 11. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? People have asked me, what if I'm asking and another spirit jumps into me? It's not possible. Bible says that you that you are a human being, as wicked and evil as you are. If your son asks you for bread, will you give him a stone? For fish, will you give him a serpent? As evil as you are, you know how to give good gifts. What of God, who is altogether good? So if you desire the Holy Spirit and you ask, even as you are hearing this now, it will be given to you. Provided you are born again and you are allowing the Spirit of God to do his work of sanctification in you. You don't need anybody to lay hands on you. Cornelius and his party did not need anybody to lay hands on them. It happened. I remember once at a meeting, just a gathering of Christians, and we're teaching on the Holy Spirit. A sister came forward and said, well, I just came to let you know that I already been speaking in tongues as you were speaking. So you don't have to wait for somebody to lay hands on you. It can happen to you as long as you believe and you are hungry for him. He will come. You are open. He will come. Ask God. He will come. Ask. Keep on asking and you will receive. Seek. Keep on seeking. You will find. Knock. Keep on knocking. If you go further up, the Lord spoke about a man who had a visitor and ran to his friend's home and knocked on the door. And said to his friend, please, I need something. I have a guest who has come in. And he said, sorry, I'm already asleep. My children have turned in. And instead of the friend to go back, the friend kept banging and banging and banging and banging. Finally, that friend of his got up, opened and said, take whatever you want to take. And the Lord said, he did not open the door because he was that man's friend. No, because he was when he told him I'm sleeping. He opened the door because of the persistence, because of the perseverance, because of the importunity in prayer. So I ask. How hungry are you for the Holy Ghost? Have you persevered? Have you said, I am not eating anything? I need the Holy Ghost in my life. I heard of a preacher who had gone on missionary work and then he had returned to follow. And he attended a Bible meeting and he saw a man who was preaching there. And he knew that the power of God was with this man. He began to say, to say what am I doing? How come I don't have this power? He went back home, told the wife to lock the door from outside. And he went in. He said, don't, no matter how much I cry, don't open the door. The Spirit of God will tell you when to open the door. He went into that room and he began to talk to God. He cried unto God. And as he was crying to God, God said to him, but you have pride. He said, eh? Oh, yeah, let's deal with it. But you have this. Let's deal with it. By the time the Lord was bringing all those issues and he was dealing with those issues in prayer, when it was time, his wife came and opened the door. That man emerged a new man. What had happened? The spirit within was at work, transforming him so that the spirit upon can be effective and effectual in his life. It's not about speaking in tongues. It's more than that. It's about exhibiting the nature of God in its totality from within and without. Of what value is it if you are able to cast out demons and yet the nature of God is not in you? Remember what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says if I speak in tongues and have no love, I'm just like a sounding symbol. It doesn't profit anything because without love, you're not entering into the kingdom of God. So you cannot say the spirit of God is in you. You are busy hating people. You are busy cursing people. You are busy acting like a child of Satan because you speak in tongues and you say you are going to heaven. You're not. So it is important that you're born again and you desire the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then you ask and keep on asking until you receive. Even knock and keep on knocking until you receive. Let's read John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39. 
On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. We are speaking here of an absolute surrender, holding nothing back, total surrender to the Lord. The Spirit of God is not going to come on people who are withholding, on people who are holding back. We must be totally given over to God, totally surrendered to Him, submitted totally to Him, and then He will come. So these three things are important for you to receive the Holy Spirit. You must be born again with conviction of the Spirit in you. Number two, you must desire and ask, even knocking for Him to come. And number three, you will be totally surrendered to the Holy Spirit. This was the preparation that the Lord asked the disciples to make before the Holy Spirit would come upon them. He did not say it in so much terms, but he implied it when he said to them that they should wait in Jerusalem until he comes upon them. Let me read Acts chapter 1 from verse 4. And being assembled together with him, that's with the Lord Jesus Christ, he commanded them, this was after his resurrection, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This was what he had told them. Now let's go to verse 13 to 14. I read 13 for completeness actually. Where we're going to is 14. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued, note that, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They were all congregated, 120 of them, with one accord, praying. This was the preparation, waiting, talking to God, studying the Bible in one place. You make up your mind that, Lord, I want to receive. That's assuming you have not received the Holy Spirit yet. I want to receive God. Go and start doing your Bible study. Seek after God. Pray. Focus on the Lord. Get into the Word of God. Allow the Spirit of God to come into you with understanding, which was why by the time you get to Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, your day of Pentecost will come when you are prepared, adequately ready. In Cornelius' case, it came same day. They had been prepared. The problem was they had not heard the word. The moment they heard the word, it was instant. If you have been prepared, even as you're hearing this word, it will come upon you. There's no big deal to it. I once ministered to someone and as we're speaking about the things of God, the person confided me and said, I cannot speak in tongues. I don't have the Holy Spirit baptism. And I said to the person, what is important is making sure that you have removed all the debris around you and you are focused on God. The Spirit of God will come upon you. One day we were in church and as we began to pray, this fellow was going on in tongues. You would think that this fellow had been praying in the Spirit for years. Nobody laid hands on that fellow. That fellow just took the word of God, went to one corner and instantly the Spirit of God came. There was another fellow like that. Oh, this fellow was quite rebellious. And we spoke to the fellow said, you have to go and study the word of God. As the fellow was studying the word of God, the word of God began to remove the rebellious nature in that person. A day came when that fellow wanted to do something. The Spirit of God said, no, we are, we are going to do Bible study. 
the fellow left whatever they were doing and went into the studying of the word of God. At the end of that encounter, they were speaking in tongues. The spirit of God had come upon them. The fellow called me with excitement. I can speak in tongues. I can speak in tongues. I said, yes. Why? Because you have surrendered. You have yielded yourself to the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine somebody that you put in the water and you are trying to get a fellow to swim and the fellow is struggling, struggling. He will drown. I learned how to swim at an old age, in my 40s. And one of the things the, the instructor told me was, relax, relax. I was afraid of the water, but he told me, relax. And he, t he said to me, water can be your friend, so calm down. And I relaxed. I realized that as I relaxed, my whole body was floating. He said, the reason why you are sinking is because you are struggling. Many of us are struggling with the Holy Spirit. Relax. Yield to him. Surrender to him. Stop struggling with him. Let go of the flesh and he will come. This is the preparation that many of us need to make for the fullness of the Holy Ghost to come upon us. We must allow him to sanctify us. We must yield to him totally and completely. And then he will come upon us. And what an amazing thing it will be. Because by then he has it removed pride. He has removed arrogance. He has removed the works of the flesh. We are just there waiting for him, the Spirit of God, to move us to wherever it is that he wants us to move to. Beloved, I pray that you get yourself into this mode of preparation so that you can now be influenced by the Holy Spirit from within and from without. God bless you and goodbye.